Welcome to Newbridge Christian Community, a place we experience perfection unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Join us as Pastor David Ogenenrobo teaches and divides the word of truth. Be blessed as you listen to the sermon. In Christ, we are God's new breed. 11. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. That's what we call our church name, the perfecting church. The, the, the ministers of the world is called New Christian Community, but our church ministry is called the perfecting church. Amen. Amen. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise the Lord. Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby the lane waits to the sea. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Praise the Lord. So you see, this is the this is the mission, our vision and mission. The vision is the glory of Christ. Is Christ really glorified? The glory of Christ, the revelation of Christ, that our world will be filled with the revelation of Christ. That's our vision. When I got born again, I began to serve the Lord and began to grow. And one of those days. The words of David came to me. David said, what shall I render to you, O God? And I began to understand the gospel. I said, why won't I do it? Why won't I tell people? Praise the Lord. Okay. So, that's our vision. And we're on the mission to perfect all men onto the measure of the stature. You know, a vision is where you are going. A mission is what you do to get there. Praise the Lord. So the gospel is the power of God. The news in itself saves. Paul will say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. That gospel, that message, the Bible says it is the power. That message carries the power to save. Praise the Lord. And we've been talking about the gospel since two weeks ago, on Sundays, explaining that the gospel is for every creature. We're explaining what the gospel is not. We have to explain what the news is. Praise the Lord. We have to explain how the gospel affected men, and we have to explain that for them to be a good news, there was first the bad news. The bad news is that man was condemned on that sin, and the good news is that is what God has done about man's state of sin. Man's state of sin unto death. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to address some very important things as we go in this particular by this particular teaching. This particular thing is very important. Number one, we cannot talk about the gospel without talking about the new covenant. It's too important. 
You can't talk about the gospel without talking about the covenant. The new covenant is what I call the juniors of redemption. That's my first thought for, for today. The new covenant. The, the new covenant is the juniors of redemption. Let me explain to you more. How can somebody's debts affect you? Are you following me? You heard that somebody died at the Guniba. Then they said the person has died. So you are now, your sins have been taken care of. At what point did I become connected to that person that his death affects my sins? Are you following this? Very important. It's amazing that even when I got born again, I didn't hear about this thing for a long time. I just ever seen New Covenant, New Covenant, or New Testament. Just the, that word testament, the same thing as covenant. I trust God as time goes on and as the church grows and we teach more, I, can, I will now have longer sessions to teach and explain a lot of things. It is the new covenant that made it possible for Christ to die for man. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. First of all, what is a covenant? Can anybody try? And welcome to school. What is a covenant? It's class. Somebody can say something. Like name it into people. That if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. So we can actually say a covenant is an agreement, a binding agreement between two people with clear terms and conditions. Right? But there is something called the blood covenant. The blood covenant. Blood. And you know, once blood enters, it has become a serious matter. <laughs> The Bible says, <clears throat> the life of the flesh is in the blood. So, blood covenant is actually what is called life, an agreement of life. Life for life. Life for life. The blood covenant. Let me explain. Matthew 26 from verse 26. Jesus is talking now. Matthew 26 from verse 26. While you're opening there, let me see what I was trying to say. The blood covenant has been known throughout history to be the most powerful covenant. I'm sure while growing up, you can remember those films you watched that a boy and a girl, they, they claim to love themselves so much and they say, no, we, we don't want to ever separate. And they, they, somebody will take his blood, they will mix it together, so will take a part, or so take a part. And they did it jokingly, only for them to find out years later that they couldn't just separate from this person. That's how it is. Those things are real. Hey, hey. 
the blood covenant that's why you realize that no matter how much you hate your, your, your siblings or your brother or some, somebody like that there is still a soft spot in you for that person he can annoy you he can be he can be the most annoying person to you But because you are connected by blood, it's different. Praise the Lord. You have heard that statement that says, they say, blood is thicker than water. Truly, blood is thicker than water. But in the blood covenant, what it means is, your life has become my life. My life has become your life. In the blood covenant, I have become you. You have become me. Do you understand that? The blood covenant is me and you now. We are one. This was the genius of redemption. Now let me explain. Man had sinned against God I follow you, and was destined for death. God must save man, and if God must save man, being a just God, there must be death. Somebody must die. Are you following this? But this man that must die is also a man that he loves. He loves man. Man is supposed to die. But if man dies, ah, the person he loves has gone. So what will he do? He will come as Christ and die. But at what point will he, he, him and that man become one such that if he dies, it's actually that, that man that died? Do you, are you getting the point? He has to enter a blood covenant with man such that when he dies, it's not reckoned to that man as though that man died. Does it make sense? Yeah. This, <laughs> it was this death eh, that made Christ's death. Christ's death now became our death. So, even though we did not die, we are not there. But because Christ became one with man by the blood covenant, his death is us that died. In the eye of justice, because of this covenant, who, who gets it? Matthew 26. From verse 26. And he took the cup. If you don't have a Bible, I can... Let's, if you need a Bible, okay. Okay, that's good. And as, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the, his disciples. And said, take it, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. Verse 28. For this is my blood of what? The New Testament. That's the New Covenant. New Covenant. Which is shared for many. What he was doing here was that he was stating the terms of the contract. His apostles represented all of us. So his apostles represented men. Who is getting it? This is him over here. This is his apostles representing all of us. 
So, <laughs> he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for what? For the remission of sins. After this covenant, as he was carrying the cross, they were carrying the cross. As he went to the cross and died, <laughs> they went to the cross and died. It was this oneness that he took with man that made his death our death. From then on, anything he accomplished has become ours. Anything he becomes, we have become. This was how he set men free. Praise the Lord. This was how he paid man's debt. Why is time running fast today? Okay. This was how he made man pay without paying. Perpetua, do you get it? Praise the Lord. Hello, dear. Follow you, get it too. Hmm? And in taking our place, he must suffer. In taking our place, he must die. In taking our place, all the punishment for sin, he must receive it. The full measure of it, he must receive. And remember last week, I explained to you, what is death? Death is separation. See, death is separation from life. Not really the disappearance of life, but the separation from life. When God told Adam, the day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die, it was first of all a spiritual death. That death was separation from God. God sent him out of the garden. God, see, God sent him out of the garden and he died. <laughs> to explain to you how that Adam ate that fruit and Adam became, Adam ate the fruit and became darkness. I did that teaching at summits. Remember, I did that in a summit. The death that the Bible speaks of is not of all spiritual. In fact, if not for spiritual death, physical death would not have been possible. Death, physical death, was a discovery by man. All of a sudden, he found out that after he ate the fruit and began to live on, he began to age. You discover that the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Bible says. That's the place where God says, where God told Adam, the day you this fruit, you shall surely die. You know what the Hebrew Bible reads? In dying, you shall die. In dying. So when he ate that fruit, he began to die. Even though physically he was walking around, he was dying. That's why you see Adam, Metisola lived, I think, 936 years. After that, it began to reduce. You know why? Man was destined to live forever. That's another part of the gospel. It's called immortality. That is the reason why when, when Christ dies for, died for us and us who believe have received life and become saved, every part of us has been saved by him. Our spirit, our soul, and our body. Such that even if our physical bodies die in this world, at the, at the rapture it will be resurrected again because it has been paid for. Do you understand? 
That same body will rise up again. He says, if the same spirit that raised up from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken that body. It will bring it back to life. And that's the body you will carry to the next age. It's much Well, let's continue. So, in spiritual death, when Jesus was on the, on the cross, the spiritual death there was, God left him. God abandoned him. Why? Because he had become sin. And God cannot be holy. Sin. sin is the very opposite of God's nature. So, that was where Christ died spiritually. When he was crying, Eli, Eli, my father, have you left me? Why has that forsaken me? He was not just the, he was not just he was not lament, just lamenting. He was actually declaring what he was. God had forsaken him. That is spiritual death. At the first level. Then physical death. Now let me explain to you. In spiritual death, God leaves the man. In physical death, the man leaves his body. Right? Did you get that? Good. So now that God has left Christ and Christ has left his body, where does he go? Hmm. Let's not rush and answer that question. Where does he go? This, I'm, I'm trying to take you, you know I'm trying to take you, I'm trying to take you to the gospel in his burial. Because most people don't see the gospel in his burial. They don't know that the death it was a twofold or threefold, in fact. They don't see the, the threefold part of it. They don't see the gospel here. And you read First Corinthians 15. Open First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. Oh, Holy Spirit, you give me praise. You know, when you are learning things like this, the, the natural man may be, since born in a bed, uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> let's kill all the enemy. <laughs> all the witches. See, your picture about darkness is in this thing. This thing. That's Corinthians 15 from verse 1. Say, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Verse 2. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Are you seeing what it's saying? Meaning, if you don't, if you don't understand this thing, you, be, you believed in vain. See, one of the things I began to preach, one of the things I actually, I found out that, could it be that, is there a possibility that someone can be in church or someone can be religious every week every Wednesday every Friday, every Sunday and find out after 45 years that I wasted this time yes very possible because I was like that I was born in church I grew in church I thought I knew God until after a long time, one day, I don't 
don't know where that thought came from. God just, it just hit me. 2005, August. I just told myself, as I see, if I, I'm going to take this Bible seriously, and if I find out that this thing is not true, I will burn this Bible. It just don't, I became restless. I will be in church. People will be speaking in tongues. Shabala bala bala. If I don't know, like, this thing is everywhere. Maybe before. I see this guy. What is all these things now? What is all these things? I so hated tongues that uh, if we have a morning devotion, when they used to do devotion in the house, my mother is speaking in tongues. I will be angry. The way I will be angry in my spirit. <laughs> not a good spirit, though. Not a good. That was not a good. How angry. And there are many people like that, especially young people. Then I started. I started reading the Bible. Started reading. Started reading. Sometimes I sleep up. Reading, praying, reading. My plan was that if I could do it for five years, and I found out that nothing, nothing come out. Waiting the game. Nothing. <laughs> I'll close the chapter and keep it one side. God did not wait for five years. Three months. I started feeling different. Ah, ah, what's happening to me? One of those days after praying like that, I slept off. I had a dream. One of those days after praying like that, I heard a voice. And that voice was not an audible voice. It was inside my it was in my chest. Speaking. When I began to have that encounter, I was like, wait. Oh. So Somebody can be in church, sees, sees, and he doesn't have this experience that, I'm like, oh my God. You know, there was a particular city, and they asked the minister of God to describe that city. He brought, he went to a pool of water and brought out a stone, broke the stone, and the inside of the stone was dry. He said, this is this city. Said, this city has been inside the gospel, inside religion. No, it's this city has been inside the religion. That's the word they use for this long. Yet the religion has never entered inside it. That's a main power. You go around in circles. So. Jesus, when he left his body, where did he go? <laughs> where did he go? Because the Bible says in James chapter 2 from verse 26 that for as the body is there without the spirit, let's check it, James 2 26. So, faith without works is there. That means the body is dead when the spirit lives, right? So, if Jesus went to heaven, that means he did not suffer. <laughs> If Jesus did not leave his body, then he did not die. You know that people who don't believe what I want to say next. Jesus, after he died, went to hell. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Jump back to sorry for the jumping of scriptures. Our church is a school. Praise the Lord. Let's go to 15. Let's go back there. Let's go back there. 
Now, to verse 2. Except they, unless you have believed in vain. Verse 3. For I deliver unto you, first of all, which that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So the gospel is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Which scriptures is he talking about here? The Old Testament. He's showing them that Christ died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures. We are going to do that teaching later. Christology. I will show you Christ. Where you find that the New Testament, what we read as New Testament, in the days of the apostles, there was no New Testament. It was Old Testament that they were reading. They saw Christ in the Old Testament. You no, know, when you read Genesis, I just see stories there. I just see Leviticus. So, in fact, Leviticus is one of the most boring books for many people. You just see, kill the cow, pour the blood there. Then you, you now take it outside the camp, roast it. After seven, some people say, they even bother reading it. So, all they know about the Trinomy is. Deuteronomy is the way you dethrone your enemies. <laughs> Christ died for us according to the scriptures. The next thing. And that he was buried. So, in his burial is a part of the gospel. And that he rose again according to the scriptures. Praise the Lord. So, his burial is part of the gospel. Yeah. Now, the manner in which Christ died will tell us his destination. Christ did not die as um, um, the Son of God. Christ died as sin. Christ died as a sinner and judgment was proclaimed over him. Praise the Lord. He bore the sinner's grief. He died as a sinner. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 describes some of the things, one of the things that happened to Jesus Christ. It says, For ye know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was poor, though he was rich, became poor, that ye through his poverty might become rich. That poverty there is not talking about material wealth, though. It's talking about what happened to Christ when he died. He became spiritually poor. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that yet through his poverty might be rich. What is riches? Real riches is actually oneness with God. Are you following me? Riches in the eyes of God is that you are with him. Poverty is the absence of fellowship with God. Poverty is the absence of relationship with God. When a man doesn't have a relationship with God, the Bible calls him a poor man. I say, what about a, a man who is driving home? See, a wealthy man who is not saved is just a poor man with money. A physically wealthy man who is not saved is just a poor man with money. Because of sin, Jesus became a prisoner. He was sentenced to hell for judgment. Praise the Lord. Somebody will say, okay, what about when he said, this day, you shall be with me in paradise? Mm. 
That thing used to confuse me before. It used to confuse me. <laughs> That's what the, the confusion there is this day. That statement, he said, today you shall be with me in paradise. It did not mean today as a, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He was talking about a dispersion of time. Because even though he wanted to say today, let me explain something to you. Do you know that? When Jesus died and went to hell, there was no moon or star. There was no moon and there was no sun. So you could not count it as one day, two day, three days. Are you following me? There was nothing to count days. It was timeless. So when he said today, he's not talking about Monday or Tuesday. He's talking about a dispensation. He said this day. What day was that? That was the day of the redemption. Okay, let me show you other places where that expression is used. Check John 16. John 16. John 16, from verse 23. John 16, verse 23. Now, see Jesus speaking. He says, In that day, see that expression again. In that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Do you see that? He said, in that day, in that dispensation. So he said, today, meaning this new day that's coming, today, you will be with me in paradise. You know what happened there? That man was saved. He believed in Jesus Christ on the cross. And he received salvation because he believed that Christ died without sin. He believed in the Lordship of Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You also see in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7. Hebrews 3 verse 7. You see today if you hear his voice. Hebrews 3 verse 7 it says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost yet, today, if you hear his voice, if you read this particular chapter, he was comparing our time to the time of the Israelites. That the Israelites, those, that time, they hadn't their hearts. They provoked God in the wilderness. They rejected God. They were against the Lord. He says, but now, today, if you hear his voice, harden, harden, not, harden not your heart. And you see, <laughs> uh, they hear his voice. They hear it. Come for this meeting. Um, uh, um, uh, Some of them are in their household. They remember. It's true. That guy invited me. I stood up. He said, harden not your heart. Many people, they know that they've had encounters with God. They are sometimes even, they saw dreams. The Spirit of God came very close to them to try to draw them. Sometimes it's as if God is speaking to them. They will hear it. They'll be in those encounters from God. But, I beg. <laughs> so that, you know why God does all those things? 
that you will just God. You will, you will not, no man will say there is, there is no body on the earth that will claim that he did not hear God. Nobody. God has a way of communicating to everybody. There's a people that may not be saved by a crusade. They may not be saved by an evangelism. Some of them, they may just be hearing a song and God will amplify that song to them. Are you following me? Some people, they will just be thinking about something. And God will amplify his voice to them. A man can decide to harden his heart. A person can come and say, oh, my friends are not here. Mm. No, they are not around. Um, um, no, I'll go to my friends. And, and you know very well, God is talking to you. Praise the Lord. Let's continue. So, Christ went to hell. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. Now, let's give you a bit more attention here. And at verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men who wants to die. But after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. That line, Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, actually means that Christ died and was judged. I follow it. That Christ died and was judged. If you check Isaiah, you will see something close to this. The prophecy about Christ. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. Okay. I'm on track with time. Isaiah 53. From verse 11. Or read from verse 8. From verse 8. From verse 8. Now, look at this. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. And for the transgression of my people, he was stricken. You see, the prophet was talking. And he saw something that he could not really explain. You know, when I was reading the scripture, every time for years when I got to that point, he was taken from prison. Which prison? And from judgment. I thought he would say he was taken to prison. Because I know Pilate took him in a prison. Then Pilate judged him. But he said he was taken from prison. From prison, it was after and after that it, Jesus went to hell as a prisoner. Jesus went down to hell as a prisoner. He wasn't. They took him. Demons took him down there. Have we people talk about when they die? Have we had those near-death experiences that sometimes they will say? Some people tell you that they saw angels. There's one who tells you that they saw demons. They saw black things came. That's how it is. Once a person dies, the place 
where he submitted his soul to will come for his spirit. Every person before Christ, when they died, all of them in the Old Testament, Moses, Abraham, Joshua, every person that died, eh? once they died, demons came for their bodies and their spirits. It was only Moses that God said, I will bury in myself. You know what happened? Lucifer came and was struggling in the body. God now sent Michael. Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. Michael said, could not even shout. He just, the Lord rebuke you. Why? Because Satan had legal claims to the spirit of those men. He put them in prison. Okay. Glory to God. I'm sure somebody is wondering, okay, why is this guy excited about this? Jesus went down to hell. <laughs> it's because of what, that, what happened in hell. And the implication of Jesus going to hell, remember, because of the new covenant, we have become him, right? Remember. So, if he has gone to hell, we went to hell. <laughs> There's a good news there. I'm coming. Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. Proverbs 25. For David speaketh concerning him. I I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I shall not be moved. Therefore, did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad, moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because that will not leave my soul in hell. Are you seeing this? That will not leave my soul in hell. Neither will that suffer than the Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me be full of joy with thy countenance. Let men and brethren, let me speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us until this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath that of the fruit of his loins according to the flesh, he will raise up Christ of his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. Neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus had God raised, whereof we are all witnesses. Hold that place. Go back to that verse 27. That will not leave my soul in hell. That will not suffer my only one to see corruption. Hold that place, eh? Perpetual. Hold that place. Then go to um, Psalm 16. Psalm 16. From verse 11. Okay, next. Verse 11 is far. Let's read from verse, from verse 9. You will see that Peter was quoting this place. He says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Verse 10. For that will not leave my soul in hell. And I would have suffered that I only want to see corruption. This is what Peter was quoting. Now, if you read this place, if you read this Psalm 16, and you know that that was Jesus, you would never have thought that you were talking about Jesus. Until when Peter explained it in Acts chapter 2, we now found that, oh, it was actually Christ he was talking about here. Jesus went to hell but was not left in hell. Do you know what that means? That means because he has gone to hell, legally, 
everybody who believes in him has gone to hell. That means the man who believes in Jesus Christ will not go to hell again. <laughs> Somebody shout glory! Glory, glory to God! The man, this thing we are saying is, have you ever heard people come and say, you don't know who will take you to hell? It may be that sin you did that will take you to hell. You are not sure, nobody is sure. From the gospel, from the rudiments of the gospel, Jesus Christ, by the new covenant, he has become one with man. So every man who believes has actually escaped hell. Do you understand this? The Christian is not is not second guessing whether he's going to make heaven or he's going to make hell. Uh-uh. You don't need to go and build on that one. You don't need to make it. You are not going anywhere. You are not going there. He has gone to hell for you, so you are not going to hell again. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. From verse 9. Okay, let me read from verse 7. It says, But unto every one of us is giving grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he said, When he has stand up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Did you see that? He descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He went there. Meaning, because Christ has gone there, I don't need to go there again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the good news in his burial. That when he was buried, his blood, his spirit was not just hoping around, it went down. That burial represented that he went down. So Isaiah told us that after he finished from that place, he was taken from prison and from what? Judgment. Praise the Lord. That is why you will notice something. When Jesus Christ rose from the grave, the Bible says that what? All the saints, all those who were saints in his time, they rose up to. Do you know why? Because, see, those three days. Hmm. You know when we say three days? You are thinking, Jesus Christ, okay, it is true. Jesus Christ was in the grave for three days. But that three days actually represented eternity. It represented all of time. The three days of life. The past, the present, and the future. When Jesus died, died and went to hell. It means he suffered for eternity. He suffered for eternity. That is why somebody can believe in him today. He died in the past. But you believe in him today. And you are saved today and to the future. Your past sins are forgiven. You are made anew today. Who is following me? The Bible says the saints rose up. You know why? Somebody has paid, paid their death. They no longer have to be dead. And you know why Jesus was also legal to be the one to go there? Jesus Christ was God in flesh. He had what is called eternal life. Meaning anything he does is eternal. 
if Jesus kicks this place, he kicks this place like this once, eh? That place will be feeling the pain. That cannot come. If Jesus slaps somebody once, that's <laughs> that slap. You be feeling the pain every day. You be feeling the slap every day. That slap will continue. See, see, even if he dies in the grave, <laughs> you will be receiving the slap once. That once is once and for all. So when they went to hell once, <laughs> that once was once and for all. All of us. Even the man who is yet to be born, because of Christ going to hell once, if he believes, Christ has no need to go to hell again. Glory! Glory! You must rejoice in this thing. That's the good news in this burial. Let's continue. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 9. We are rounding up. The proof we are running up is that on the last page, on the notes. So grass at Hebrews 2. From verse 9. Okay, I think verse 9 is too far. Let's let's read from verse. Verse 6. But in one place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visited him? Thou made him a little lower than the angels. Thou crowned him with glory and honor. Thou didst set over all the world in thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things, all in subjection under him, that he actually is God. So let's. In place of here, let's put God so it makes more sense, right? For in that God put all things on in subjection under man, he left nothing that is not put under man. But now we see not yet all things put under man. Do you get it? With the way I read it. But we see Jesus. See, Jesus is the answer. To all the twistedness that came to man. After God created man, all that God prepared for him, somehow, it did not play out again. He said, we know that God put all things under him, but we can't see all things put under him, but we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Say for me, I see Jesus. Say for me, I see Jesus. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Praise the Lord! Say, so he has tasted death for me. All the Old Testament saints that believed, they were, they were released from that place. Why? Because they had believed. He tasted death for them. They no longer have to die there as prisoners. That's why you read Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Unto the spirit of just men made perfect. Actually, Hebrews 12 verse 23. Let me read. Let me read. Hebrews 12 verse 23. 
Hebrews 12, 23. It says, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men. It's talking about those old saints. The spirit of just men. Made perfect. <laughs> it means that when they were there, their spirits were not made perfected. It was when they believed the message, their spirits were made perfect, and they resurrected out with him. There's so much that happened in hell. We can't talk about all of it today. There's one part that people are still debating, but I just feel there's no need to debate it. People say, okay, Old Testament saints that believed, okay, they believed in God, but they have not seen Jesus Christ yet. So their salvation was just a promissory note. You get they are not really they didn't really see Christ, but they were had a walk with God. They were saved. We agree. What about other people who do not even know walk with God? They didn't even know God. What about them? What about, who is thinking with me? The Bible talks about them. Those guys, they will lock you. <laughs> they were saved. Let me show you. Let's be that three. Verse 17. It says, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing. Verse 18. For Christ has suffered once for sin. The just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Glory! Glory. Say, I've been brought to God. I've been brought to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. <laughs> Verse 20. Which sometimes were disobedient. Hey. Which sometimes were. He preached to people who were disobedient. In the time of Noah. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> uh. You know that this is not this means. It's too much. It's too, it's too heavy for somebody's mouth to say. It's, it's too heavy. It, that is, it's too heavy, but it's the truth. King, King is in heaven. <laughs> Sometimes a disobedience when the long suffering of God within the days of Noah, when the ark was preparing, wherein that his eight souls were saved by water, the like figure. Oh, wherein even unto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the field of the flesh, but the answer of a good answer of a good conscience toward God by resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I thought this was enough. Chapter 4. <laughs> Go to chapter 4. From verse 1, it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Verse 2, that he no longer should leave the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Now, verse 4, wherein, now we're talking about the fact that 
don't feel bad that after you've left your old friends, let me read this to you, you get it. For in the, for the time past of our life may have allowed us, that, that word suffice means allow, may have allowed us to have done the, the will of the Gentiles, where we walked in lasciviousness, in lust, in excess of wines, of wine, in revelings, in banquets, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riots, speaking evil of you. Now, now that you have become saved and you no longer join them, suddenly you are beginning to withdraw. You are like, they say, oh boy, come now. You are withdrawing. You say, guy, guy, wait first. My life is changing. You say, come. You say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm different. I'm, they say, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with this one? They say, they, say, they think it's strange now that you are no longer going around with them. Hmm. And they speak evil of you. See verse 5. He says, who shall give accounts to him? He's saying that they will give account to God. You will give account to God. They will give account to God. Who shall give account to him? Who is ready to judge the quick and the dead? That word quick means those who are alive and those who are dead. He said, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. That they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So, for God to be just, he preached the gospel to them too. So that those who are alive and hear the gospel, those who are dead and hear the gospel, the basis for judgment is the gospel. <laughs> Do you believe in his death? Do you believe in his burial? That's when he went to hell. And you believe that he has ascended. So you cannot say you don't hear. You can't say, oh, eh, Jesus came in the future of me. <laughs> My own, I was in the days of Moses. I was in the days of Noah. No. Do you know what this means? That means... They could make a choice. And obviously, they, 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 they made the right choice. That's why they, the Bible says all their graves are popping open. Popping open. Praise God. So, this is where we end. The gospel in his death, in his burial, is that Christ, Christ, has tasted Hell, judgment, and death for all men. The gospel in burial is that Jesus has gone to hell for all men. Let me read it again to you. The gospel in burial is that Jesus has tasted death for all men. He has gone to hell for all men and has experienced judgment for all of us. And all who believe can never go to hell. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All who believe can never go to hell. Glory! One more verse and we are done. John 5 verse 24. Let's read it together. You have the Amplified Bible. Let's read the Amplified Version. While you are, we are opening the Amplified Version. Let me read some things to you. What must we do with the gospel in this burial? Number one, we must accept it. Say, I must accept it. <coughs> Number two, we must live in the assurance of it. Praise the Lord. We must live in the assurance. Number three, we must announce it. And number four, we must rejoice in it. John 5, verse 24. John 5, Verse 24. Are you there? 
Wow, this is some good essay. So can we read it together? I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, the person who whose ears are open to my words. Let me do we start again. We are not reading together. One, two, three, go. I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, the person whose ears are open to my words, who listens to my message and believes and trusts and clings to and relies on him who sent me, has possesses now eternal life, and he does not come into judgment, does not incur sentence of judgment, will not come under condemnation, but has already passed over out of death into life. Say after me, I've passed over. I've passed over. Stand up on your feet and declare, I've passed over. I've passed over. I've passed over. From death to life. I have eternal life right now. I have eternal life right now. I've passed over from death to life. Christ has gone to hell for me. Christ has been judged for me. And now I'm free from judgment. Praise the Lord. Shall glory.